Hi, I'm Nathaniel Skye, the host of the Immersion Nation podcast. Here, the greatest minds in immersive entertainment create and conjure, muse and imagine the cultural revolution that is unfolding before us. That is immersive entertainment. Welcome. This week in the interview, we get some fresh perspective from outside of the immersive community, talking to George DeMoya and Julian Rodriguez about the virtual reality experience, The Void. We explore the delta between the reactions of a gamer and a non-gamer to this industry staple and go in depth on Wreck-It Ralph Breaks VR. Finally, we discuss the strengths and weaknesses of the mixed VR and real-world experience that has made The Void a leader in the immersive space. One short note before we move forward. This interview was recorded just days after the start of quarantine and is carried out in reference to what was likely one of the final playthroughs of The Void's Ralph Breaks VR in the few days before the gravity of the COVID-19 pandemic was realized and Disney Springs in Orlando closed its doors in the interest of public safety. Working from there, we'll start by looking at this week's featured experience, Ralph Breaks VR, which is run by The Void as one of its many experiences. The Void is a mixed reality experience, meaning guests play through a virtual reality environment that is layered on top of a real-world space. As you move through an experience, you are interacting with both physical and virtual elements at the same time. This creates a unique and genuinely profound variety of immersive experience. You can find this experience at many of the company's 12 U.S. locations and five international locations. The Void, again, has a variety of different worlds to adventure through, which vary in availability by location, some of which include Jumanji, Reverse the Curse, Star Wars, Secrets of the Empire, Avengers, Damage Control, and, of course, the topic of today's discussion, Ralph Breaks VR. Ralph Breaks VR is a story and game based on the movie Wreck-It Ralph. In this up to four-player experience, you will sneak onto the internet to help out the movie's heroes, Wreck-It Ralph and Vanellope von Schweetz, play through a series of mini-games in a vividly colorful and imaginative world, while warding off waves of angsty bunnies with your combo milkshake-pancake cannon. Ralph Breaks VR is a very generous helping of lighthearted fun and lasts about half an hour. Our guests today are George DeMoya and Julian Rodriguez. Though the guests of this show are typically immersive creators, we are breaking from the norm for this episode to take advantage of an opportunity to look at an experience that is a well-known staple of the immersive community from a novel and external perspective. For context, I got the chance to meet George and Julian at a conference called PodFest back in February. On the last evening of the event, I heard through the grapevine that these two were planning a trip to the void. I caught up with them, and we agreed to meet at Disney Springs the next morning before making our respective ways out of town. Now, moving from there, George DeMoya is the marketing director and social content manager for Flintstone Media and their podcast brand, Florida Podcasting Network. George also runs a show called The Couch Dads Podcast, where dads get together to talk about dad life, streaming content, events, and the joy of life on the other side of bedtime. 
Julian Rodriguez, a.k.a. Jules, runs a podcast with his wife, Maria Alejandra, called The Couple Shift, about their lives and experiences as entrepreneurs. Julian is working with Maria to grow her coaching business as they share the infinitely rich adventure of building a brand and a family together. Stick around after the show for the Immersive Community Briefing, where we talk about what's happening out there in the world of Immersive. This week, we talk about an exciting and newly announced collaboration of creators, the future of the Zoom experience, and also note an anniversary. This week, the Immersion Nation podcast is brought to you by none other than Immersion Nation's Experience Directory a great resource to find immersive experiences for your adventuring enjoyment. This includes a multitude of remote and digital experiences to be enjoyed from the safety of your own home. Typically, immersive entertainment is almost exclusively an in-person medium. Thus, enjoying new immersive adventures often requires a plane ticket in addition to a ticket to the experience. But because in-person is a little problematic right now, Many of the most brilliant immersive creators are producing interactive work to be enjoyed via Zoom, phone, text, social media, or a combination thereof. So if you're in the mood for a little intrigue or excitement, go check out the Find Experiences for Quarantine page on our website, ImmersionNation.com. What's going on, guys? Uh, My name is George Demoy, aka JDM. Uh, what's up, guys? My name is Julian Rodriguez. I'm going to go ahead with an AKA as well, George. Uh, it's Jules, as everybody calls me. First off, when you want to explain just uh, how the three of us wound up going to adventure through the void. Well, I, think, I had ex- yeah, well, it starts ahead, with Jules. It starts with Jules, man. He was he kept telling me uh, when we're at PodFest, we're there, you know, Disney Springs. And he kept telling me about the void, the void, the void. I'm not too big of a gamer, but I know Jules is, and I enjoy it still. I'm a big Disney fan, Star Wars fan, et cetera. And so he was telling me about the void. I was like, you know what? That sounds pretty cool. If we can get an extra day, then for sure, let's do it before we drive down back to Miami. And then it turned out the way the PodFest was going, we were really into it, getting a lot of connections, got to meet you, you know, and we just like, you know what? We're going to be exhausted if we try to drive back Sunday night. So let's yeah. stay an extra night and then we can do the void in the morning. So that's kind of where it ended up. It was all Jules wanting. He was pushing for it, man. He was like, we got to yeah, do I this. Had, yeah, I had experienced it uh, already once before. And that was a couple of years back. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Like, this is, this is awesome. This is a, a really cool experience. I'm so glad that we were able to do it and actually get to do which, um, what was it called? Yeah, the Wreck-It yeah. Ralph one instead of the Star Wars. Because originally we were like, oh, let's do the Star Wars one. And then the guy told us there, before you got there and met us, up, that uh, the Wreck-It Ralph one was much more interactive compared to the Star Wars mm-hmm. one. So I'm glad we did that one. And uh, yeah, so that was just one of those things. Is like I, I didn't even know about it, really. When I found out about it a couple years back, my brother-in-law was like, hey, we got to try this thing out. And I was like, yeah, I'm down for any of that stuff. Like. Anything with gaming wise, um, especially Star Wars, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, let's do it. So 
So part of the reason that I thought it would be such a curious conversation to have on the show with both of you guys is because of the contrast that you were mentioning earlier. Insofar as the fact that, George, you don't play a whole lot of video games. And then, Julian, you not only had done The Void before, but actually play a lot more games. And that contrast is something I'm really curious to get into uh, throughout the course of this conversation and see if we can tease out any of the details in that the yeah. delta of perspective there. Yeah, I'm, I'm. As you can see, I have these. Well, you, well, the the podcast can't see, but I have like carpal tunnel freaking uh, wrist supports because my hands are messed up. Probably because of too much gaming. <laughs> I do it's play a time plenty for gaming. If nothing goes. Oh my gosh! I know. I know. Man, it's crazy. I I mean, I've played my share of video games, but it's always been the standard Madden or NHL and then FIFA only because Jules would make me play FIFA when we were in high school and college. <laughs> and I was just a little bit of Smash Bros. A little bit of Smash Bros. Yeah. And it's just literally like, all right, what are we doing tonight? We're playing Smash Brothers. Okay, fine. And I would, you know, I'd enjoy it here and there, but I was never an avid gamer on Call of Duty and the Halo and the online gaming. I never really got into that. A little bit with Madden. When we would play Madden, Jules and I would always end up like playing against each other out of our friends in, in like a final round tournament. And Jules would always whoop my ass no matter what. And I was like, this is the only game I play. You can't just give me this one. This is the I, only I, freaking I, game I play. I, I mean, the, the, the Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare, the current one now, I have a, probably about 24 days of gaming on it not hours 24 days maybe oh or, wow like i yeah. have a lot <laughs> i have a lot i think this is what happened my hand got messed up because of it i played <laughs> a lot of it so once everybody goes to bed i'll go on there and i'll play a couple hours things like that i'll probably play after this to be honest yeah yeah you're like gonna gaming. you're gonna I, you're gonna heat <laughs> the hand you're gonna put an ice or heat pad on the hand play for an hour rest for her an hour and then play again in, be- um, in between matches I'll, I'll heat it maybe yeah yeah yeah. So I definitely I definitely play VR though not so much because I don't have the PC to run that and I don't and I don't yeah like yeah it. it's a lot of hardware it's a lot of hardware so yeah VR I do not have so that, that that's the other reason why I think I like the void a lot too because it's like oh I get to experience that you know and then after we uh spend a little bit of time waiting in line we wind up getting taken into the onboarding room um, where we watched that first video. Uh, how would you describe that first room that we were in? So this is an interesting view because you guys didn't get to do the Star Wars one. Now, with Wreck-It Ralph, obviously, the, the guests coming into Wreck-It Ralph, it's a Disney cartoon movie. It's fun. It's all family friendly. I think you would understand the world if you saw the second movie, uh, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet, because you can already see that they're in the Wi-Fi router when they're standing there. So they put you into that world. They put and, and that's what's great. And so in the Star Wars one, if you saw Rogue One, you would have gotten a similar video, but a much more serious video. You start you know, feeling the immersion. The difference with this one is you had a specific character. So you chose a specific character. If you remember in the beginning, they told you to pick a card. And that's what's different about the Rogue One one. The Rogue One, you don't do that. You're just resistance, basically. So this one, it gives you a little bit of a new, a, a little more unique character going into it. And obviously, you can tell in the video that when you're standing there, it's not like, oh, they already can tell, oh, you're the green guy. You're the, the purple girl. You're the pink guy, whatever it is. Um, they they put that in the system after, but it's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. That was actually pretty helpful in-game, too, insofar as differentiating who was yes, who. Yes, yes. Yeah, so in Star Wars, you're all clones, but 
each clone has like a different like I don't want to say LED, but it's just like a light on the clone helmet. I think that was uh, a different color, similar idea, but you're a totally different character. Like I can tell, oh, you're the pink chick or you're the green guy. Oh, you're the blue guy. A lot easier, actually. And I think, well, they didn't have different heights. Everybody was about the same, right? But their shapes, maybe. Yeah, shapes were definitely a little bit different. And and I agree with the immersion screen from the beginning. Uh, for me, it was kind of easy getting into it because I'm a Disney fan. So when we're there, yeah. I was already, you know, bothering Jules. I'm like, I got to get a couple pins. I got to go do this. And he's like, what yeah. are you doing here? And I was like, this is what I do. Like, just relax. Well, you're, talking about, you're, you're talking about Disney Springs. You're, you're, yeah, you're, I, I, I was at yeah. Disney Springs. So, but, you know, once you get into it and you see the video, and I thought it was a great introduction. It kind of gave you a little bit of a background to what you're going to be doing. It explained it just enough without giving anything away. And then also was, what I really enjoyed about it was I thought, I don't know what the height requirement was for, for the void, but any kid would understand what's going on too. You know, young kid or a teenager, if they were doing it, they'd get the concept. You know what? I never even thought about the height requirement for something like that. That's an interesting point because I guess when we get into a little bit more of actually going into it and experiencing it, there's a couple sections there that you actually have to interact with the room that you're in, right? So a height requirement, I didn't check. I never looked. I'm sure if we go on the website, it will say, hey, there there has to be. I'm completely assuming based on the gear that we had to wear, because I I can't see my six-year-old being able to put on a helmet like that. The guy's going to be bobbing (laughs) and weaving. Forget about the helmet, the the vest itself. It's it's Um, got some weight to it. Yeah, yeah. It's a hefty, hefty apparatus there. Yeah. So so once we leave that room, that's when we go into like the staging area where we get fitted for everything, which is. Yeah. And and so the reason why that vest is so heavy, obviously, is you're carrying batteries. You're, you're carrying the system itself that it communicates with everything else, because the biggest difference about VR in your house and the void is that you're completely which I guess nowadays that's not the case because VR now is already getting to a point where like uh, that you, you can be actually completely wireless. Uh, what's the there's two Oculus Quest. The, yeah, the the Quest there. And they're getting to a point where they're getting actually really, really good quality VR wirelessly. They're not there yet. Um, I had seen some reviews about it, but it's a pretty it's pretty good. And so you're carrying everything with you because you're moving around and interacting with that world that you're put into. And in that vest is all the haptic feedback equipment it's too. All, and I think exactly. they probably didn't do as much of it in the Wreck-It Ralph experience as I would suspect they probably did in, you know, something like Star Wars or Avengers insofar as feeling like there's some kind of body impact type yeah. of thing going on. But actually, I think it's pretty comparable cuz from what uh, when I remember from the Star Wars one, you're getting shot with like phasers if you get hit and you'll feel it. If you got hit by the like the, there's a sequence with the the bunnies, if you got hit by them, which was I mean it was very slow, I felt like like it, it, it you can easily avoid most of that stuff. In the Star Wars one, I think it was a lot easier to get shot. <laughs> Like the difficulty of getting shot was probably uh, a little bit higher. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Those sequences were also, you know, kid friendly games also. So it's like. Exactly. You know, exactly. It, it, and then it you're, felt like Toy Story Mania in a way where, you know, it's like this big old screen and you got to rotate and shoot pancakes or milkshakes at the bunnies, which is just right. hysterical. I'm laughing half the time, not mm-hmm. even aiming. 
you know, oh, I know. based I on know. the graphics, yeah, okay. they were funny. They were, yeah. they, they were yeah. funny and they were very well done. I did feel the vest the most in that one section where you had to push on the wall. And you had to touch oh, yes. the different things. Oh, if you touched and if the you, wrong one. Right. Yeah. You got you got shocked. That I felt it, but I didn't feel it at all when we were fighting the bunnies. Yeah, I agree. When we were trying to break the the firewall, I think it mm-hmm. was. Yeah, there was breaking the that's, firewall and you had to push the right button. Uh which was interesting. It was it on there. the wall. You were actually hitting the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and <laughs> I, and I was sitting there trying to jump in and help you guys out because I didn't realize that each side of the room had one going on. And so the teammate on my side, who it was the three of us and then yeah. one guy who we didn't know. And so the guy who we didn't know was just sitting there on the other side. is like, what are you doing? Why am I doing this? Alone? Like, oh, my word. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Left him yeah, out for try. Not- especially since it's the first time, like there's not a lot of directions in that. And I think it's because it's a limited time. How long do you think that was that experience that we had? Maybe eight minutes. I'm pretty sure it's 15 15? front to back one, like actually inside the experience and actually doing those interactions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, there was, there was at least, three it, it goes four faster, st- obviously when you're in there, it so. goes faster, but there's three or four stages and you also got to account for, the you know one or two minutes in between each stage because we did walk from one stage to the next and then you know Mm -hmm. look around see what catch our bearings we went from the pounding the walls to the cannon game the the, it was the the tron looking thing Tron looking thing. what's it called the tank well it's a mix because it's a mix of two games it's space invaders uh mixed with that that tank game i forgot that name of that tank game and so the whole idea, which the the, the button system is re- was really annoying. I think you had two buttons to go left and right, one button to change the arc of the, the cannon and the other button to fire. So basically, when you would press it, if you wanted to adjust the height of what you're shooting at, you had to press it to get to all the way to the maximum height. And then you had to press it again to bring it back down where you wanted to, which is a little weird and jarring. I like to like, again, the VR is showing you. When you're in this world, they, it's showing you those buttons, but it's it's like, oh, yeah, one button for up and down. And you're like, oh, OK, so I have to just, oh, I want to go back down. I have to hold it down till I get to the max height and then bring it back down. Kind of annoying, but I understand why they do that, because in the Star Wars um, Void experience, they use the same board. There is a section in that where there's a, like you have to break a, some code to, to hack into a room or something like that. And it uses the same button. So the, or, the buttons are organized in the same kind of way. Yeah, spoken spoken uh, like a true gamer. Spoken like a true gamer. I saw a button, and you know what I did? I pushed the fuck out it. of it until I yeah. did what I wanted. <laughs> what was really the only cool, reason which why is I'm something... good at Smash Brothers. Yeah, well, what's what's really what was really cool about it, and also kind of super trippy, was when we got into that game, we were digitally split. Like we were looking at two of us uh, across. And that's not something that happens in the Star Wars one. In the Star Wars one, you're all together and you're just trying to get through whatever storyline. So it was super trippy how they did that, where all of a sudden, wait, oh, George, you're next to me. And George, you're trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. And the, the bugs are, are landing and you're supposed to splat them. And then uh, Nathaniel and the other guy, um, the, the random guy, was with, I think you were on the, the other side, right? Um, so you were shooting... And you were looking at us. I was totally confused. I was like, how do they do that? Like, what's going on here? Half of the how do they split us? Like, with how, how are you over there? 
Like, how is that That even possible? I know. That was so surreal because obviously you didn't walk over there. And then all of a sudden we get at it because the whole idea is that we're in you're in a game, in a game, in a game kind of feel to it. You know what I mean? Because you're wearing a VR. Inception-y. It's the most Inception you could get right there. That's the movie I was thinking. It was so Inception-y. We're we're all in one room except two of you supposedly look like 50 yards away from us. (laughs) Exactly. Really cool. That was really cool. Because we had walked into that room. Yeah. And similar to actually when we were walking into the onboarding room, they were like, okay, everybody stand in this particular spot. Right. But actually in the game itself, it was like, all right, stand in one of the circles. And even though we were still relatively in the same space in the game itself, it showed the two other players. Once you stood on that thing, you were like standing in a little trolley slash hover cart type of thing. And it showed the other two players being split off and shooting out across like this giant, like kind of digital landscape field. So you can see them over there. You can see the other players who are, you know, probably not like three feet from you, but they look like they're on the other side. And that was like the most effective illusion. That was that was really incredible. That was a really cool. It would have been crazy if we lifted the masters to see where we were. Obviously, we would be right next to each other, but it would that would have felt much more surreal. Be like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? That was a really cool experience. Something that you don't get with the Star Wars one in comparison, obviously, because again, the Star Wars one is almost like they're telling a story. They are. There's a specific story that's going on that's involved. This one is like we're playing. As a matter of fact, you have like a watch. You have like a digital watch that has like a um, a hologram that comes up and gives you your score when you lift your arm up. And I think yeah. you know we didn't mention that that you're not you don't have any hand apparatuses like you would have like for example in the in the oculus quest or the hg htc hive uh vr set set up uh, it's just your hands which is really cool and then when you look at your hands it's the character the character model and the star wars one is kind of cool especially if you're a star wars nerd you look down and you're like oh i'm a stormtrooper because you see that you're dressed as a stormtrooper which is kind of cool the other thing that we didn't uh the other cool thing was the feeling of heat and and wind blowing on you that was phenomenal when when we yeah got off on one stage and it was overlooking the whole Wi-Fi network and you were basically oh, on that, like a skyscraper right. and you just felt the wind coming up. Complete mm-hmm. vertigo if you if if you feel like that, if that's even a possible you can you can almost feel like you're oh, getting a little people, bit of vertigo. Yeah. That was for me uh, a lot of fun because you get that secondary sense. You know, you're doing this VR world, but then you feel the wind you can smell the pancakes and you feel the wind blowing at you as if you're on a 35 foot skyscraper in this 35 Wi-Fi. foot. That's not a big skyscraper. Oh, whatever, man. 35 um, story, 35 <laughs> stories. Excuse me. Yes. Thank you. 35 foot. <laughs> okay. That's two not, stories. That's not two, stories. Yeah, it's two stories. If that. <laughs> yes. 35 floors yes. up. You get me. Yes. Yeah. I got you. You got me. But that was yeah, no, me. I appreciate that. That was ne- definitely necessary because, you know, it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night and it's past my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> one of the coolest things that in both of in what the Star Wars one does and in the and in the Wreck-It Ralph one does is it's just a simple thing. But I think it for me, especially someone who's into shooting, it's such a cool experience when you actually just pick up the gun off the wall because you don't walk in there with a the gun. You're just walking in there yourself and you get into a room and you're like, oh, look, they have guns against the wall and you grab the gun. And our, of course, our guns for Wreck-It Ralph, it literally fills up with pancakes or, or milkshakes. 
but it's and it has like a you know the gun itself you can switch between pancakes or or the the milkshakes so just grabbing it off the wall to me is like wow and i know that sounds like that's kind of stupid but i think that that really contributes to the immersion it's like instead of just pushing buttons against a wall which is cool which is great grabbing a weapon off the wall and then using it for the rest of the the story is a really cool experience so star wars one's a similar way where they figure you out that you're you're dressed up as a stormtrooper and you're actually rebels and you get stuck in a room and they're like oh look there's weapons and you grab the gun you're like oh my god <laughs> so it's a really cool a really cool feeling something so simple but this is, this is an amazing experience in that way and i think i i want to say something for the people that have never done the void this isn't ready player one okay you're not running <laughs> like you're not free running anywhere it's like a walkthrough if anything else you're not going to be running in these suits i mean we're not there yet but it's still a really fun immersive experience i don't know i think i was definitely uh getting a light jog in there at some certain points <laughs> like no i'm ready <laughs> they told us to go i'm going they're going we're going, they're like, we're I'm, going. I'm ready I'm, I'm gonna shoot some damn pancakes <laughs> you do need to tighten that you need to strap on that freaking suit real tight to make sure but uh yeah but still, yeah. you're you're if you if you take the mask, I mean, when we walk into the void, literally the storefront is tiny. It doesn't look like you're having a be like this is where it's at. Like they're able to. I mean, the benefits of VR is that you can maximize the use of space and make it feel like it's a lot larger, you know? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, that was it, I wish that I had taken off the headset at some point in time just to take a peek. I was actually intending to, but forgot to because there's there was a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I would be curious to know, actually, just square footage wise, how big that space actually is that you're navigating that feels you know much more expansive when you're in there. Even if you're not, you know, sprinting around, you do have a sense of scale within that space. That's really right. really kind of impressive, George. I just wanted to ask, like it being your first time going to the void and doing like this level of VR type of thing, what was like going through your head when we were getting dropped into the world right off the bat? Right before everything, there was one, there was one thing that dropped into my head was I really hope that I don't get a headache after this because I've done (laughs) VR stuff before. And you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, decades ago, you know, the technology was not up to par. And I was right, just right. really worried about that at first, putting on the helmet, putting on all that. It doesn't help that, you know, last week or the week before the, the pod fest, I ended up with a concussion from hockey. That doesn't help. <laughs> I'm putting on this huge VR mask now. Uh, and I was like, man, I really hope I don't wind up with a headache after this. But once I got dropped in, I felt very comfortable. The vest kind of, I guess, helps you feel a little bit more comfortable in a way. It's tight on you. It feels like it's a part of you. And it's got some weight to it, but it it wasn't a lot of weight where you felt obtrusive or, or anything like that. So once I felt comfortable in the gear, I was able to just kind of go into it. You know, and somebody that doesn't do this as, as often, I think that's vital that the void has gear that is comfortable for anybody. And it's comfortable for people that aren't used to maybe doing something like this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense insofar as being unfamiliar with the environment, being unfamiliar with any form of the gear. If you're not like reasonably comfy getting into that right off the bat, then you're automatically going to be a little bit just on edge going into it to start with, which could hurt the way in which you're able to find yourself kind of lost in the experience. 
And then from there, Julian, as someone who has done um, the void before and probably a little bit more VR in general, I would suspect insofar as not just the the tangible, like being able to pick up the gun, the things you're only able to do if you have a space allocated. Yeah. But like, is there anything in there that you felt like that the void did better or significantly different than other VR experiences that you've tried on with just a headset? Well, um, here's the thing. It's been around. It's it, the void is not something brand new this year. And uh, I think a couple years ago, what they sh- what what they showcase with the Star Wars um, was amazing at the time. But just like computers, like every every three months, all of a sudden they have a brand new graphics card that's so much more powerful. Um, and VR has been getting so much better, uh, especially like in frame rate wise. Um, now they're almost behind in well, they are behind in the way it looks. The only thing that um, I feel like what I said before, the act of grabbing something, the act of pulling a lever, and that's just because they have a whole entire building allocated in a room that you're set up in for that. Um, that's what makes it stand out from something like a, like an Oculus Quest or HTC Vive or whatever. Well, one of the home VRs. The home VRs, though, if your computer is top of the line, um, they're making games already now that like, I don't have that, but they're making games basically where the frame rate um, and just what you're seeing in the world is amazing, but it's not as interactive, like physically interactive as something you'd get with the void. For someone who has a VR at home and they're probably saying, well, I'm not going to waste my money going there to just do that. If I have this really badass rig in my house, um, no, there's still, there is a place for it because it's more than just, oh, um, I'm doing the Star Wars thing or I'm doing this thing. It's your interaction with the actual room. You're interacting with either buttons or switches or levers or, or grabbing a weapon off the wall. You can't do that in your home. And I think that's a big thing. And also feeling the heat and the wind and the smells, you can't match that with a home setup. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And to someone who does have a home VR setup, the idea of just grabbing a gun off the wall or pulling a lever or interacting with the physical space in that way it's more jarring and shocking in a positive way than a yeah than you would expect it to be it is really kind of a visceral experience to be there and be like oh hey i am now physically engaged in the story that's happening in front of me in the game that's happening in front of me yeah yeah it's hard to articulate like how much of a difference even just a couple small things like that makes but you do also make a really good point in that I can imagine it's probably very difficult for them to try and maintain the level of technology that other VR is moving at because they just have a lot more moving parts to adjust every single time they want to exactly either update one of their experiences or create a new one. They don't just get to change <laughs> just not to trivialize. I know that there's a lot in creating any VR, but they right. don't get to change the software. They don't just get to change the coding in that. They have to change the physical space and probably a whole lot of processes that, I mean, we wouldn't even think about insofar as how people interact with physical spaces in that, right? Yeah. And not only that, it be, the, the content that they're showing to us is licensed content. So you have mm-hmm. to deal with it. There's a lot more people that you would have to deal with okay, we're updating our system so we can have better visuals. Okay, so it's going to involve the artists involved from the movies or whatever the story it is, right? Um, and so and they have to give the okay for all the... It, there's a, Like you said, there's a lot of more moving parts. So I can understand why now, when you look at it, when you go into the thing and that the world looks... It, it, 
I think we give it a pass though. Like it still looks good enough. The, what you're doing in there, what all your senses are being hit, which is something you don't get one from home. So you give it a pass that, okay, yeah, the video fidelity is not as high quality as what I have at home. But the fact that I'm doing this, interacting with these things on the walls or grabbing something or, you know, that can't be beat, right? And and you have to look at also that these created stories are easily just attention grabbers. You know, you're in there in the Disney, you're with Wreck-It Ralph. If you're a fan, you're there. Star Wars, same deal. You're there. You're immersed in that story and they could repeat the same story over and over and over again and they're not going to change it because people will still keep going to it. You can't veer off and, like you said, have all these other moving pieces that are going to affect that. They're going to stick to whatever is creatively attention grabbing for your basic audience. What I will say, what they could improve, which one of the things that I was kind of like, oh, that kind of is annoying, is how, so I'm assuming that there's cameras on the outside of the uh, the actual mass itself. It makes sense because when you look down, you see your hands. And I felt that at times, either my hand won't show up or it was lagged or delayed. And that's just, I guess, I'm assuming is like processing power or the sensors on the cameras, something that could be updated, you know, after a couple of years, okay, we can get something a little bit better. So it's a little bit more sensitive and reading uh, your hands and things like that. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I noticed the system did not like it when you crossed your arms or like put your hands together in any way your arms just disappeared. They were like, nope, yeah, none of that. We, we had we have no idea what that is. It's funny. We I had a funny experience in the Star Wars one where uh, somebody's arm was just like randomly floating in front of me. <laughs> it just like, some some somebody's arm was like totally off their body. I'm like, what is going on? And it's so funny. Like something that you would see like in games like I remember in Battlefield, uh that would happen where like the rubber banding of the character were all like it's stuck in the ground or all this stuff. And it, and it literally happened in the game where like this stormtrooper's arm is just stretched or or pulled off its body i'm like oh boy so that's yep, something yep. you can absolutely improve without necessarily needing whatever the uh content is like that's just no or that's, maybe not i don't no, know no, that's but true. i think they could improve um, but, it i think it's definitely something that sh- could be improved and and i would even venture into saying that with more manpower and maybe better processing power that you could have multiple stories per character they were talking about that they were supposed to have the Avengers one in Orlando in the Disney Springs, but then content and licensing and all that kind of issue came yeah. into play. And I was thinking, guys, come on, like there's so many stories that you have control over. You could have variations of a Wreck It Ralph or variations of a Star Wars. But then I think it gets into the creators, the content creators for that stuff and like dealing with the licensing and dealing with um like you're going down, it's a big can of worms, you know, just to get that stuff out. And for the price, which we haven't even we haven't even discussed, forty bucks. What do you feel? Do you feel that that's a decent price? It was forty bucks, right? If I'm mistaken. Yeah, yeah, it was like thirty nine something. It was forty bucks. That's right. That's a, for a VR experience like that. I thought it was a pretty reasonable price. You know, if you if yeah, you're talking yeah. about where they go down that can of worms and they get all the content and they get all the licensing yeah. and they deal with that, and you can choose i'm going to do a star wars rogue one story or i'm going to do a star wars empire strikes back story or whatever the case may be out of all the different star wars ones that they have 20 bucks says they raise it 20 bucks and it turns into from 40 to 60 dollars 
You right, right. That optionality there. You know what I would find interesting if they had a third option that had no licensing? It's a story they made up on their own, which obviously would be cheaper for them. And you're just and you can control the storyline. And for me as a gamer, I don't really care as long as it's engaging and fun. They can probably even make it even cheaper because they don't have to worry about dealing with whatever that well Disney in this case and just do what they want. But I, I'm you know I'm not sure who owns the void or what the situation is with that. But that would be interesting if they if they design their own game or story mode. They probably would be able to make it even cheaper. But yeah, I think the forty dollars, the thirty nine dollars, whatever it was, is a pretty is is a reasonable. It's reasonable, and they could definitely do a different game like their own, but. I would put money on it that because that v- the void is located in Disney Springs, they're like you are doing. No, you only can. You can only yeah. do certain it's, content. Yeah, that that would probably make sense. So, very last question as we uh, come up on the end of this episode here: If you guys could create a world in VR for the sake of the context of this conversation, what would you want to create? It could be based off of, you know, a favorite fictional world or fandom or anything like that, or just something completely original with the resources of the void, or maybe even just like whatever resources, what would you want to create for people? That's a good question. I would have to say, I'd be curious to see what the void could do with something in the sports realm. Like, is that... Is that even a possibility? Can you imagine if you're, you know, feeling the arena and you're at the World Cup and you're that you know, kicking in a penalty shot, you know, and but you're, I don't know, name me a player, Jules, this would kick a penalty shot in the World Cup. I don't know. Some Oh, like what oh, like so like who? you're like Messi or something or yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo go. and yeah, then you're exactly. just something along those lines where yeah. And and you could really do it in different ways. You could do it whether it's wrestling. You could do it whether it's uh, basketball, wrestling. football. Why not? Imagine a, v- no, uh, imagine a VR that you're coming off the top rope or something. I don't know. I like. I oh, you're talking about like WWE wrestling. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That would be. I I would. The hepatic feedback would be very intense. That's for <laughs> sure. I I'd be interested to see what they could if they could do something yeah. in the sports realm. Pick a sport where you would get those senses and you would get the feedback from getting checked or getting hit. And then also, how would it look? You know, how would it feel? And do they even have the space for something like that? Because I feel that it would involve a lot of movement. Yeah. In the sense of that feeling of a large stadium or like open area. One of the parts that I liked too, which was at the beginning. Even though I didn't like the controls for the shooting tank, Space Invaders, whatever you want to call that game that we had there. But if you looked around, it was kind of cool because it was just open. It felt like it was just massive. And so, I mean, mean, my choice is kind of stupid because it's the movie actually did that and it would be Tron. Yes. (laughs) But just to do that, you know what I mean? Like to experience and and not the well, the original is fine, too. But the, the sequel, I like that one. I don't care what. The hardcore fans are. I enjoyed that movie. <laughs> I've great. seen that movie. It's a great movie. I, it's a good movie. I, I feel bad. I, I think it sucks that they they scratched the third one they were planning. But that world to me, it was really well done graphically. 
And to be in a world like that in VR and and maybe, I, I don't know if you could do a Tron cycle, but maybe you could. I don't know. They could figure something out, I'm sure. I bet, you, cool. could. I bet you could find a way to do it. Like you just could, hop you, on a little like stationary bike, like yeah. get the wind blowing and all that stuff. And then you're Great. like, you'd be like, you, you just shift your body and stuff. And you're like, all of a sudden you're, that would be super cool, yes. man. That's really cool. That would be, that, I would have to agree with that. Like, <laughs> um, Yeah, no, Tron. Um, But another sporting thing will be cool is like Formula One racing or you already have these these um uh, car peripherals that you can get already for gaming that are super intense and i think they already have some like vr versions of like rally racing games which is kind of jarring a little bit from what i've seen i haven't played one but maybe something along those lines or you incorporate it into it Uh, you incorporated a car chase scene into it i mean i hate this series you know, but everybody watches it like a Fast and a Furious kind of thing <laughs> where you have like a gunfight and then I was like, you got to get in the car and you get into the car and you go through that sequence. It could be the Matrix, to be honest, like it could do something like that. Mm-hmm. So if you give an experience where you did that and then you got into a car seat or a motorcycle and you you oh great, you have to sit on this, get on this motorcycle and all of a sudden changes the pace of things instead of you just walking to the next section and shooting and ducking and moving. Now, all of a sudden, you've just changed the speed that you're in, right? In that world. You get into the motorcycle and all of a sudden, you're going 70 miles an hour. That would be something cool. Or if it's like a Tron story and you're fighting with your light disc and then you get into the freaking Tron cycle or something. That would be really, really cool. The change in velocity, that feeling, uh, is something you didn't experience that you don't experience in this world. And I think they're close to that if you think about change. They can do it change in velocity when we were on yeah. the skyscraper and we felt the wind you know so it's i think they're yeah. they're they no, could be that, very close to doing something like that they could actually they could absolutely do something like that where all of a sudden you get in that bike and you're going 80 miles an hour and the wind's blowing hard that'd be pretty cool however sure. i can see some people that would probably be a little bit more jarring in the sense of like getting you know the, the vertical sense or whatever like Getting off and being like, whoa, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> kind of a deal. Um, what was that? What was that? Exactly. Yeah. Um, that could be something. But at least it would feel very different. But that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And just to speak briefly to both of your guys' notes there. First, a Tron experience would be absolutely amazing. It would be. Um, <laughs> There's a old Tron video game, I think probably like early 2000s, way before the remake, that was just fantastic. And granted, like this is at least a decade ago that I was playing this. So yeah. it, it might not be as good as I remember it now. <laughs> oh, that but, always happens. Yeah, yeah. that oh, always it's happens. The worst. It's the worst. It might be complete but it's shit the best now. when you actually come back to it and you're like, oh, this was as good as I thought it was. Just playing that game on a tiny little screen, dial-up connection, all that good stuff, like, was amazing. Yeah. Just getting, like, a taste of that inside of Wreck-It Ralph, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing. And plus, just from a design standpoint, like, you get to play with all the contrasting colors. Like, it's all just black on whatever vivid color you want to play with in that situation. You know what would be really cool is if they were able to get your image of you. Uh, this is a little crazy, but they get an image of you, your whole body, and you look in a virtual reality like mirror of yourself. And you're like, all right, you got to get into the, like, the Tron world or you got to get into whatever world. And you look at your wrist and press this button and all of a sudden your character changes into its suit or whatever. Like you always see in those movies or like, uh, oh, yeah, that would be such like a Panther, cool- like just the yeah. suit materializing yes. on you. Yes, that would be something. Su- I mean, I'm sure that would be very difficult to do, but I think it's doable. I mean, 
It, yeah, it, I, it, I don't know. I feel like it's reasonable. Like it's reasonable. You, they already have you take the picture before you even go into the experience. You can even do it when we were first walked in, where they introduced us. They're like, "Oh, we need to scan you," and it's an actual scan of your like face and stuff. And then they and you go into the VR world, and it's like your head, and it's like you're wearing whatever clothing that they want to put on for you. And then you press a button, and it's like boom, and you turn into your whatever character it is, and you see that happen. I think it's one of those things. It's the transitions. The transition of grabbing the gun, of pulling down a lever, of pressing a button, that stuff to me is like the coolest part of the void. It gets yeah, you. Yeah, it yeah, it's the moving between the spaces. So the story, mm-hmm. that like each yeah. transition is different and has a point to it. And it just, it sucks you in more. That's the best part of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a very, very good point. It is all about the transition. Um, but then on the note of the sports, like, I think that's a really, really interesting idea because you so frequently, I mean, you have esports, and that's an mm-hmm. increasingly and constantly growing world. But then you have actual sports, which has been this whole like social grounding point in culture for so, so long. Esports and sports sports are oftentimes thought of as kind of antithetical things, like they're mm-hmm. opposites in so yeah. many ways. But it makes sense that we're going to see a lot more crossover between the two. Yeah, you can get real imaginative and creative with the kinds of activities and competitions that you have inside of a virtual environment. But at the same time, there's already strong audience for everything that is sporting. I mean, there's a reason that FIFA and Madden and all the sports games do so well. You have that there. You have the cultural basis for it. Like if you can get it to the point where there's like that kind of camaraderie that comes from being either on a team or just a fan amongst so many other fans, replicate it in some way, like that would be absolutely incredible. It'll be really interesting to see over the next like five years here where those crossovers start to happen. Yeah. And then talk about marketing for the void. You are marketing to a completely different demographic that would come to do the void if it's a specific thing like one-on-one basketball against LeBron James in a virtual reality setting. I really don't know how you would do that, but that would be kind of crazy. No clue, but that line and you're talking about people that probably aren't necessarily into the into the void, you know, and from another aspect, but they would come and do that. Yeah. I mean, that's why they made Wreck-It Ralph to appeal to the family audiences. Right. That's a whole nother audience that you can just open up by figuring out how to do something that you can't do in any other medium, but still is very much targeted to everybody who loves whatever sport, whatever sport. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So where can people find you guys and your work and all of that? Uh, George? Go ahead, Joe. Oh, call me? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go so, ahead, bro. Uh, well, you can find me at my uh, my Instagram uh, is High Octane Jewels. That's a, I know it's a terrible name, but it was a, a joke from way back. Um, but I think it's yeah. a fantastic name. Yeah. <laughs> um and um i like to put my wife's e- uh, my wife's website because me and her work together so it's uh maria aleandra.com she's um a life and business coach and she really focuses on women but is open to anybody but it's more on on women entrepreneurs and our podcast is called the couple shift and you can find us wherever you download your podcast apple Podcasts, google spotify whatever um but yeah the couple shift 
And for all of you immersive producers out there listening, interpersonal dynamics is so much of what creating an immersive experience is, whether it's working with your cast, your crew, your fellow producers, what have you. But those interpersonal dynamics are also consistent in a lot of ways and more dynamic in a lot of ways when you are creating and working in a business with your significant other. Yeah. And in that context, I suspect that there's quite a lot of insight to get out of a show like that. Yeah, absolutely. George? Well, you can find me pretty much almost anywhere at uh, www.flintstonemedia.com with the full podcasting suite and the Florida Podcasting Network on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find me personally at, at Couch Dads Podcast or at Dad of Moya on Instagram. Uh, follow me on there, see what I'm up to, whether it's video production or podcasting with Flintstone and, you know, hopefully working with this esteemed gentleman here, Jules, a little bit more and also, uh, love to come back on and work with you as well, Nathan. It was, this was awesome, bro. This Absolutely, awesome. man. That sounds amazing. And one last note. So for all the dads and all of the parents out there, there is the podcast component but insofar as the flintstone media florida podcast network stuff like who would be the people to reach out to you there like who would get the most out of reaching out to you for flintstone in florida well uh definitely anybody that is interested in starting a podcast for a brand that they work for or if they're also looking for a little bit of assistance with their podcast and they want to you know up the branding up the marketing they just want to focus on the podcasting part of it and they need a little bit of assistance, whether it's audio editing, whether it's video production to create more content for their podcasts. We're a full service suite. We got a great team over there and you know, whatever you're interested in doing to kind of just up the ante a little bit with what, with what you got going on with your content, we're there to help and we're there to network and we're there to just continue to build through the podcasting world. I mean, this podcasting world is a family and I've known it from since I started. And I just, I love hearing what other people are doing and continuing to help their work and boost everybody else's. And to everyone out there in the immersive world, we need more podcasts on this. We need more podcasts about the opportunities that we have to go and again, live inside the story, but also just the places that we have to go and have these interpersonal connected interactions especially because right now we can't do that yeah soon we're gonna need it more than we ever have i mean it's day three and i've already got you know i'm all kinds of all kinds of antsy sitting here in uh (laughs) in quarantine mode coming out of this we are going to need a lot of what the immersive industry does and so if you have any impetus to start a podcast or for the producers out there Onboarding and offboarding, if you can incorporate any kind of ARG, any kind of alternate reality game into your show before and or after, this would be the guy to talk to about how to start looking at producing audio to support that because you can't talk about what's inside your experience so oftentimes. The, so much of an experience is the surprise of what happens in the midst of it. But if you can bring people into the world, into the story through audio, this, uh, this gentleman right here, knows the knows the ways he has the methods he has the technology well thank you guys both so very much for coming on the show 
I really hope we have the chance to get out to another immersive experience and talk about all of the immersive things once again very soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Hello, and welcome to this week's Immersive Community Briefing, a new segment of the podcast coming with the start of Season 2. Here, we update you on new shows, answer listener questions, and talk about what's happening out there in the world of immersive entertainment. First up, the newly announced collaboration. Two of the most innovative and industry-redefining entities in experiential entertainment are teaming up to create something new. Punch Drunk, the creators of Sleep No More, and Niantic, the creators of Pokemon Go and Harry Potter Wizards Unite, have announced that they have a project in the works. The details around what this project will look like are, as of yet, a closely kept secret. With that said, however, this kind of combined creative impetus has incredible potential to be nothing short of a turning point in the world of immersive experience. And the moment any more info is released, we will, of course, be filling you in here on the Community Brief segment because this is something worth watching. Moving from there, a question was posed to the immersive community in a social post. The post reads, Question to the community of showgoers. If lockdown officially ended tomorrow, aka July 4th here in LA, would you still attend a Zoom or other virtual experience if it had good reviews? Or are you still wary of going outside? Or are you itching to get back to IRL parties and shows once you're allowed to and can't wait to delete the Zoom app from your desktop ASAP? Or do you think that you'll forever do both now that Zoom has a familiar format for these experiences? And digging into the comments, we find an interesting spectrum of opinions. To go through just a couple, one person writes, I feel very done with Zoom, but I'd probably feel differently if I didn't have to be on it every day, all day for work. I also think I'd return to it in the fall when the weather is not as nice to go outside, but with weather like this, I'd much rather be outside, parentheses, masked, slash in nature than inside on my hours off. Definitely a sentiment I resonate with personally. Another reads, I'm loving the ability to attend events from companies anywhere in the world. I'd like to be able to do more things in person, of course, but I would actually be very happy if Zoom shows continued in some capacity forever. Though by now, many of us are nursing an evolving love-hate relationship with Zoom, it seems that throughout this thread, the consensus is that Zoom, or remote digital experiences in general, have earned some form of a sustainable place in the hearts of the immersive community. And speaking to sustainability, my take is that the usage of digital mediums does solve for a lot of the inherent barriers between IRL experiences, scalability, and financial sustainability. Finally, Horror Buzz, a digital publication covering the spooky side of immersive, just turned five. A post from Horror Buzz's Instagram reads, in short, Today marks the fifth anniversary of Horror Buzz and we couldn't be more proud. We started as a small group of horror fans that were ready to take over the haunt scene of Los Angeles and have since morphed into a worldwide horror machine. So, we will end the segment with a joyful congratulations to Horror Buzz for working to celebrate and grow the immersive ethos. And with that, 
Have a fantastic week. Stay healthy, stay curious, and thank you for joining us on this adventure.